I'm Justin McGann. And I'm Ike DiLorenzo. This week on the Landscape Mode, we're going to look at all of the trends, all of the supposed trends for 2014 that a myriad of publications are writing about, trying to look into the crystal ball and see what will happen in mobile in 2014. Yes, and also they've offered us some incredible recaps of data from 2013. The data from 2013 is accurate. The predictions for 2014 are sometimes obvious, sometimes ridiculous. Sometimes, uh, yeah, not bad. It spans, it's a wide spectrum. It's a wide spectrum. Some of these things are not necessarily trends. They're things people always like to call things that are going to happen, a trend, even though they've been true last year and the year before and the year before, but that's still important still important. So probably the piece of data that is most shocking to me, or most surprising to me, about 2013, I, listeners of this podcast will recognize that I have long been predicting the demise of the app and the rise of the mobile browser experience. That is, people are going to want to do things in their mobile browser, they're not going to want to download an app for every little thing they do. Yeah, we've talked about that. I don't know if we, if either of us think it's going to be a sudden demise. Well, it turns out that people love doing things in apps and do not want to mo- use the mobile browser. There's something. A, they like doing some things in apps. Yes, but overall, like, so Nielsen came out with this study saying that 87% of time is spent using mobile apps and that iPad users spend 76% of their time in mobile apps. That was even more surprising because the browser on iPads is pretty good. No, I believe that because I... Th- just anecdotally for my own usage, it's like, yes, apps. My Facebook app, my Twitter app, my Gmail app. These are where I spend most of my time. But it's the long tail of everything yes. else that I'm not going to download an app for everything I need to do. Yeah. So but, of course Facebook can get me to download an app. Um, but can the app, can I look at that and, and from that say, hey, I'm building a service, can I trust people to download the app or do I need to make it mobile web? And I'd probably think, unless I'm really swinging for the fences, I'd probably think I need a mobile web solution. Or you're one of these companies whose page is download our app, which is, I think, becoming more common. Like Hipmunk just says, please just download our app. The mobile experience is not going to be great. It is, but that's a barrier point because if I use it every day, I'll download the app. I, I download the Audible app. I like listening to my audiobooks on it. I use it every day. If I'm not using, if I'm just ordering something from a store, if I'm just using this service one time, if I'm just trying to look up information, you know, Yelp, for the longest time, I didn't have the Yelp app because I don't use it that often. Some people love Yelp. Yeah. I don't. I get, I like to check on it every once in a while and I like to be able to see things, but I'm not going to download the app. I just will want to see it in the browser. So. So I'll go through the statistics on this, which sort of do back up what you're saying. Like when people download an app, they use the hell out of it, but they certainly use the browser a lot for sporadic stuff. But what company's goal is to be that sporadic stuff? Every company wants to be the one that you use all the time in their app. I guess so. I mean, but you're, I don't know what your goal is and what is realistic are two different things. You know. Yes, it appears according to Forrester that companies are unrealistic because 90% of businesses will have an app. 90% of businesses will have a corporate app in 2014. So there's going to be a lot of apps that nobody uses. 
Well, there already is a lot of apps that nobody uses. Yeah. The app store is full of apps that nobody uses. It's cool. Create an app, swing for the fences, uh, and try to get people to use it. I mean, that is definitely, if you want power users, apps the way to go. If you want people, if you're, if you think people aren't going to visit your site or load your app every single day, I just don't understand why mobile site isn't. I'm with you, although companies still love building them. So for those who are building apps, there's an endless, endless amount of work. Right. I mean, there's lots of things in favor of apps. You know, the native experience is, is different from the web experience. You have access to different things. A lot, a lot of apps are warranted. The apps that I have on my phone, I feel very warranted. I wouldn't want a mobile experience, but at the same time, you know, what what's the percentage? How much time they spend? Seventy percent. Oh, sorry, eighty-seven percent on apps. Eighty-seven percent. Take that thirteen percent that's cut up to smaller things that you use, and imagine if you had to download an app for all of those little things that you want to do. Yes, it would be insane. It would be insane. So, apps, apps are winning, 90% of businesses have apps, and then there's this idea that the right app can, there's this idea emerging in a lot of these trend watch and 2014 trend things. Who is going to be the next Uber of, and then insert your industry? Yes, Uber's the new Netflix. It, previously it was, oh, it's the Netflix for blank. Yes, it's now, the it's the now it's the Uber for, uh, you know. Which basically means like, can you use IT, can you use information technology to completely disrupt the way an industry happens and destroy the previous industry? Well, I think more than that, it's the, uh, the way that Uber has been successful in uh, breaking the barrier between your phone and the physical world. Netflix is awesome, but it was just content delivery. Yeah. It was just movies. It's, it's really good being able to stream it, everything like that. But... Uber is how can you solve real life problems in your physical world? Yeah, and I agree. That's, that's what the really interesting apps are trying to do these days. Like laundry services in San Francisco, Amazon fr- doing your laundry on your mobile phone. It goes, it gets dispatched off to a laundromat where it's done in the dead of night at an existing, another favorite of apps. Take unused existing infrastructure like a laundromat in the dead of night, tie it to a mobile phone, and try to disrupt the industry. Right. Well, it makes a lot of sense because what did Uber do? It didn't. Didn't create anything new. You could drive. People were driving around and you know getting rides and everything. It it built the infrastructure that yeah. allowed them to be much much smarter, because the smartphone opens up these capabilities of geolocation and interacting in a very short period of time, yeah. and it brings efficiency to a very inefficient marketplace. Amazon Fresh. Here in San Francisco, we have. Uh, sort of as Fresh Direct is in New York and has Webvan used to be in the Bay Area, you can order millions of items, not just groceries from Amazon. They wind up at your door a couple hours later yep. in a green truck. Yep, and uh, Google has a similar thing. Um, but Google shops beyond, in existing stores for you. It, they Yes, it does existing stores. Um, I know that you like the grocery. I don't like the grocery just because I... I can walk to the grocery store and get my groceries. I actually like using Google because it will, I can carry my groceries back. I can buy things on Google that I wouldn't want to carry back. Yes, Amazon, I like actually that you can buy furniture. 
you can buy anything. Right. And it comes to your house. It, it gives a whole new dimension toward evil showrooming because now you can go to the store and look at it, buy it in the store, and when you get home, it will be there, but you will have bought it from Amazon. Yeah, I guess so. It depends on furniture I could see showrooming. For me, it's like I've been wanting to get new like Rubbermaid bins for my recycling forever, and I'm never going to go to yes. Target Amazon or Direct and and get them and load those on the bus and drive home with them. But if I do, you know, Google Express and get it delivered that evening, it's so much easier. So yeah, and these these different services that interact with the physical world, they bring huge new drastic drastically different value statements than this is a good time killer and it will entertain you. What I what is according to Forrester, a lot of these new services, and I believe this, even though it's surprising in some way, that we always have been taught to believe that the user experience behind these things is what matters. But it, apparently that's not true. Spotify would bear this out with its horrible user experience. Yes. That it's really the utility of the app that is the driver. And people will put up with a mediocre user experience as long as it gets them there. Right. As long as they have the, the right return on it. If it's there's There's a certain amount of elasticity to it that, you know, will affect user uh, experience is going to affect it. But if the payoff is there, I'll use a bad app that gets me what I want. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, we all use Spotify. Uber's interface is not that great. No. And But you're, you want the car. And I do think that we've been overemphasized. I agree with Forrester on this. It's kind of insightful, is that mobile is so transformative that the utility is so compelling that you can actually, if you have a great idea, you don't need a fantastic user interface. You just need a sort of serviceable one. Well, here's what it is. is it's, this is the, the uh, A-B testing as the perfect example of this. People talk about user experience the same way they talk about A-B testing, where they think that, oh, you just do two different things and it will make something drastically better. Um, that's not how you should be doing A-B testing. A-B testing should be slight changes that make a slight percentage difference and over time that will pay off. So Facebook is a perfect user experience example. It makes absolute sense for Facebook to do a mobile app. For every operating system, for everything, just optimize every single app. They have the resources, it will pay off. Yeah. Uh, they can go after customer, or they can go after user experience and these slight improvements and everything. Um, if you have a bad service and a great user experience, people still aren't going to use it. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, you have to get the foundation right, and then you can care about user experience. Then you can care about A/B testing and everything like that. People think that they're going to just throw something up and then start doing these testing stuff. You need to get the foundation right, and then the testing is take it to the next level. So there's this. Uh, let's see. But as we there, there are a number of subjects in these studies that keep coming up, or in the prediction studies. Uh, wearables, the idea that people want biometric data. I mean, this is sort of an extension of connecting you to the physical world, except the physical world is you. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, of course, we are rehashing things that we've talked about because that's what... These trends are these trends are a lot of these trends are not new to 2014. They just people believe they're going to get traction. Wearables is something we've talked about a lot. Uh, I don't like calling them devices because they're just accessories for your smartphone most of the time. 
Yeah, I, um, I agree. I mean, I think that will not necessarily be true indefinitely because of the other hot term that in 2014, the IoT, Internet of Things. So these things will not record. Your smartphone will be one of the things rather than the hub of things. Right. And th so the difference between these would be uh, Google Glass is a really nice accessory because it uses your phone's internet connection and everything. You know, that is a good example of an accessory. Whereas I have uh, one of these Wi-Fi scales that gives you all of this data about yourself and your body fat and everything. And it just connects right up to the Wi-Fi. So that's an actual device. Yeah. That's and a real like device. Like Nest is an actual device as right. well. Right. Right. These are real devices. I think, and I think the internet of things is kind of both of these um, as long as they connect to connect to the internet somehow, either through a phone. Um, but the, the, most of these predictive, most of the analysts and companies that are making these predictions seem to believe, and I agree with this too, that the, the wearable devices is just, they're not still not going to be ready for mass consumption or mass use. They'll still be early adopters well into 2015. It, on certain things. I think that Google Glass, absolutely. We're not six months away from people wearing glasses. Even I think, you know, like Fitbit and the fitness devices, also kind of overall small market, you know, fitness it's, enthusiasts. It's not a huge market, but I think it's, there's two ways to look at it. Glass has been somewhat successful in San Francisco, but is not, has not, they're actually Google's putting together like a road tour to try to like take it around and try to get people to see it outside you know it was a big deal for my brother who lives in Delaware when he saw someone with Google Glass whereas I see someone walking the street with Google Glass and I just kind of shake my head smugly yes. um, <laughs> but Google Glass isn't outside of San Francisco it's just this idea this thing that they've seen like news stories about Fitbit and these different exercise things are, are absolutely outside of San Francisco my aunt in Pennsylvania who is not super tech savvy but not she, she has a smartphone. She's, you know, she can, can uh, use technology. She's used Fitbit. She likes to track her. Interesting. I mean, it's easy to... They, actually, I will say that for these devices, the reliability and transparency of Bluetooth, where it actually does stay connected for a year without mm -hmm. disconnecting, and just the reliability of them is making them more consumable, but still kind of an edge thing. Right. You've, again, it has to break the barrier of the physical life to do something that your smartphone can't do and or interact with your smartphone uh, to make your smartphone more powerful. Uh, speaking of smartphones. Um, speaking of smartphones. So the, my favorite predictions are who's up, who's down in the mobile phone manufacturer industry. Yeah. So the general consensus is Samsung stays on top. Right. Apple takes over BlackBerry's segment of the enterprise because the enterprise is afraid of Android and its many viruses and exploits. HTC has become like the butt of every industry joke about how they're endlessly failing, trying horrible and desperate new tricks to trick people into getting HTC phones. And LG is on the upswing with like good models and, and what is... What they claim will be a trend are mini phones. People tired of massive screen phones now going to like mini, sleek, little phones with small screens. For some people, this probably makes sense. Uh, for me, my phone is not a phone. My phone 
is a web device. It's a computing device, It's yeah. a computing device. I want to text from it. I want to get my emails on it. I want to do Twitter on it. I want to do Facebook on it. I want to get an Uber on it. Like, phone calls, that's very low on how I actually use my phone. Oh, I agree. I mean, so, and if it is a phone call, half the time it is a FaceTime call. I, I have got my family using FaceTime. I'm so happy. I, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, I, I'm amazed at the demographic that now uses FaceTime. I mean, it really is. FaceTime is the ultimate, it is a very seductive app. And there are not, or is a very seductive use of a mobile phone for older people, which there are not many. You know, FaceTime is really, it feels like it's starting to hit the uh, point where Facebook had the traction with the older audience where they got the benefit statements of it. My mom didn't get the benefit statements of Facebook until she realized, hey, I have children outside of the house and I'd like to keep up with them. Yeah, exactly. I can see their different pictures and this and that and the other. The same thing's happening with Facebook, uh, FaceTime. Where and FaceTime actually works. It like, works so easy. I just showed her how to do it one yeah. time. She realizes I make a call like I'm making another call, but I hit the FaceTime button. The iPad rings like a phone. Absolutely. You start to think of it like a phone. I mean, yeah. it's, it is a very, it's a, a very compelling right. way to draw a different demo into mobile devices. Earlier today, I ducked out <clears throat> into our game room and had a 15-minute FaceTime call with my sister and niece that's snowing in Delaware, and they went outside in the snow, and it was... Snowing now? Yeah, it snowed, I think, eight inches overnight, and well, they, they had a snow day today. Oh, how cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean exactly, but, right, but now you reach for the iPad. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, uh, let's set this up, not, it was just, hey, I'm going to FaceTime you in... Yes. What? There's still, a, one thing that's a little bit different is that I don't FaceTime, I always text before I'm FaceTime someone to set it up and say, hey, do you want to FaceTime? Because phone call, you can just pick up. But if someone's going to see you, there's still, I feel like, some sort of notification you have to give them. Yes, I agree. Socially, it is better to give notification. I usually don't, though. I figure it's this time of day, the iPad will just ring and they'll answer it. Right. Um, the email trend also uh, predicted for 2014 a sharp decline in the amount of email opened on PCs and traditional devices. And, and this is already happening, and a, a very sharp increase of email opened on mobile phones, which yep. means that all these companies uh, are scrambling for ways to mobilize their spam. Absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. And it's mobilizing the landing pages. Are, so I was just talking to someone at a, a company yesterday, and the, they didn't have a big use case for mobile until they realized that these reminder emails that they were sending to their customers that usually had good success rate of getting reorders and re-upping mm -hmm. uh, weren't doing as well because a third of their audience were opening it up on a smartphone clicking and going to this desktop experience and they never previously they'd always thought well people aren't going to use our website on mobile it's a but email has become an interesting way for different companies to realize hey at least we need these landing pages to be mobilized yeah, and if you get an email that is a commercial, you know, UCE, unsolicited commercial email, and you cannot read it on your mobile phone, you delete it, it doesn't work. So it, it's interesting to me how many, uh, in, in like marketing automation software, how many companies are talking about how they deliver the best mobile email or mobilized or responsive email. Yeah. And then our company, of course, 
we switched our video conferencing, so our, our seminar software to one that supports mobile devices. Right. You know, like Let's old just... ReadyTalk and all those that the old generation where you can't you can't be a viewer of the video conference on a mobile device. Yeah. And the thing is, we're not we're not not doing this to like make a point. We understand most people are probably still going to want to watch our webinars and tune in from a laptop, but you should still be able to from a, from your phone. Yes, especially from a tablet, I think. Oh, a tablet, absolutely. I I use the tablet on, well, on my stand as a second screen for my laptop all the time. Yep. I'm putting something on. No one is doing one thing at a time anymore. I'm watching a webinar or a talk or something on the laptop or on the iPad and then doing work on the laptop. Yep. So, and yeah. mobile apps as clients for what we now generically call WebExes, you know, for say Adobe Connect's mobile app, you don't have that bizarre experience where you launch the browser, you're downloading some add-ons, yeah. and then it does or does not work and you have to restart the browser. Now you actually have a dedicated app to right. receive your As webinars. long as the app's up to date, yeah. you can open it up. And it's a well-built app. <clears throat> it's just going to work. Uh, another popular trend, brick and mortar stores communicating you nonstop while you're in the store with iBeacon and that sort of thing. There's a, many like hyperventilating predictions about 2014 about how iBeacon shopping is going to be a big deal. Have you ever used your phone like that in, in a brick-and-mortar store? No. I, I don't want unwanted communications blasting my phone while I'm shopping. Yeah, I, there's, but there's I'll tell you things. When, there's instances. I was at a bookstore two days ago, and I would... I would like to have something where I could inform myself from my phone. Instead, I just went to the normal like uh, sites that book blogs and different things to see what they were recommending. I would like that in a store, but I don't want, like you said, the important thing is unsolicited. If I'm not looking for it, don't do a push notification. Don't do anything. Yes. It reminds me of the old days when you're walking around in the airport and Bluetooth... It, like Bluetooth transponders would blast your phone and say like, hi, do you want to see a video or, you know, whatever, receive a file? Right. It's just getting, it's turned, we don't want push notification to turn into spam. That would be a very bad yes. thing for everyone so, because then you're just going to start ignoring everything. So eMarketer has a predictions out that says it will become everywhere commerce with ubiquitous indoor tracking in stores. I hope that is not the case. And I actually don't think it will be. I mean, if you go to a Ross, they can barely pay for their fluorescent lights. I don't think they're going to install iBeacons on every shelf. No, and that's that's not what people want. People just want some more information. Department stores are crowded. Aisles are getting narrower. There's a lot of... There's, you can't give people enough information about a product. All of the time, I'm looking at something and then going online to get full specs on it to get information on it just make that easier with iBeacon or whatever the, the technology use the in-store if I'm using my phone I just want to inform myself I don't want if I want the sales I can look at the price I don't want to get spams I don't want yeah I mean I know I I will say there's probably use cases like for people who have for people who habitually shop a certain store but I'm satisfied that those people would have the app anyway like really frequent Macy's shoppers who always want the coupons or that sort of thing right right um so the other big trend another yet another big trend everyone's talking about for 2014 uh it's 
it has always been nice that mobile experiences have been, especially apps, have been surprisingly free of advertisements until now. And that is apparently changing and going to change dramatically in 2014. Because mobile advertising is finally making money. Yes, Facebook. I This is hard to believe. We're just having ambulance driving. We're having a face here in San Francisco. That was the siren indicating that we are going to divulge to you that Facebook's mobile <laughs> revenue has increased <laughs> apparently from 0% in 2012 to 40% of their overall revenue, overall advertising revenue in 2013. It's totally incredible. You know, it is absolutely incredible, and it's to the point where I'm wondering whether Facebook needs to... They've figured this out, and this is a really hard thing to figure out. We... At least I thought that Twitter had figured it out. That's why they were going public. And then we've seen their numbers over the, the past, you know, four months, I guess. And they're not good. They have not figured out mobile advertising. Um, Google's starting to figure it out. Um, I, think, I add. If anyone's yeah. using I, I add is in theory a way for app developers to include right. ads in their apps that in in which Apple is involved in the revenue. But I don't know. I add seems to have had sort of a lackluster start. Right, and that's the the use case for that is a lot of free apps that just want you to download them and they're not going to charge you anything, but you'll get that in, you know, when you're playing Flappy Bird and that banner goes across the top. Is it true that Flappy Bird has been taken off the market? Flappy Bird has been taken off the market. Do you, have you played Flappy Bird at all? No, but I heard that the developer of Flappy Bird took it off the market because he's wor- he was worried about addicting too many people to mobile. I, it's really weird. I don't know. It seems like he's just overwhelmed. Um, it could be, whether intentional or not, it could be a great move because a game like Flappy Bird uh, has a very, very short shelf life. <coughs> Uh, and I say that as someone who has spent already spent too many time too much time playing. Flappy so can bird. you describe it? Is it that the bird flaps? There's a lot of flapping. It's it's you just the bird automatically moves across the screen. You have two things that you need to go in between, like they're tubes. They look like tubes from Super Mario Brothers, and you have to constantly tap on the screen to flap for the bird to go up. And if it hits the ground <laughs> or if it hits the tubes, you die. Okay. It's very, very simple. There's no lives. There's no anything. The first time you hit something, game over. Um, it's super, super simple. Is it a great game? I don't know. I was... Uh, I have a brother who came out with an app a few weeks ago, and he was very upset that his app was just underneath Flappy Bird. So he does, he hates Flappy Bird. Um and I was defending it as a good app, maybe a little bit playing devil's advocate, but uh, it's simple. It works because of the social aspect of it. It's extremely hard, so it's fun to beat other people at it. On our whiteboard in our office, me, Moke, Carla, Shane, we all have our best flappy board scores. Oh my god. <laughs> and we get excited about beating each other. But after we get the high score, we're like, all right, I'm deleting this game. I'm so sick and tired of playing this. So I think it's a short shelf life. By pulling, by he gave a, a one day heads up that he was pulling it off the market, so people rushed to download it. Um, <laughs> so it oh, actually, be a maybe that move. yeah. Say you're taking it off the market in a few days, right? Because it, it was going to disappear in a week or two, anyways. People were going to stop, mm-hmm. and so he created. He gave this artificial bump to it. He created a flap around. Yes, he created the a game. flap. I got it. 
okay, Forbes magazine. Forbes magazine has described you know Forbes, the highly respected financial magazine. They top have their five, five trends. Let's just fly through these. Yes or no? Apple and the enterprise. Yes, we've discussed it. Right, Apple is doing well in the enterprise, and they are filling the void of BlackBerry because iOS seven has really cool enterprise level they, stuff. Forbes also agrees that wearables will not catch on until after 2014. Certainly not glass. Uh, they believe, and so the, the other trend, everyone has to say this now, big data, that the interesting thing is that there's a consensus on these lists, and Forbes is one of them, that it's the analytics that companies need to iterate on and care about and not as much as the user experience. The user experience is just the data collection device. The analytics are going to change company behavior yeah, by getting you... I think the you analytics know. are how you evaluate customer experience at the same time. And <clears throat> I am, I love analytics. I've been involved in analytics in many different spheres. I was a mathlete in high school. I love numbers. Um, I kind of feel like it's the word analytics and big data has been co-opted by people who don't really care about analytics and big, big data, but just want to... It's like false authority, and so you're. Well, this is what the analytics say. It's like, I don't know if you actually have analytics to back that up, but instead, it just it's become a buzzword. And yeah, that's, that's and I do think they're almost exclusively used now, not as they should be for improved product design or for to make more excellent apps or user experience. They're used basically to find the untapped revenue in some bubble of a graph and then mine it immediately, like the next quarter. Well, and if it's again, it's it they're listing it as a trend because it's a buzzword when the truth is ten years ago when big data wasn't a buzzword, there were really smart people digging into the analytics and finding these inefficiencies to improve yeah, cu- customer experience true. or anything. Yeah. And so now it's just trendy. I don't know if anyone I hope that more people are doing it, but I don't know if they are. I think it's just what you're supposed to say that you're doing. As an aside, on Google's new cloud platform, you know, all these cloud platforms have the standard kind of stuff where you can store data in a SQL database, you can run various languages. Um, One of the two or three APIs that they've opened up in the cloud platform is that with your, you can have a database, database of up to terabytes of data and then do all sorts of big data style analysis on it for free. Yeah. That's awesome. I think people should use big data. I think they should use analytics. I just think that often it's it's just used as a buzzword. So Forbes also has for us uh, their number four trend, which we haven't discussed, and it is on a few lists, connected cars. Yeah, we've talked about cars before. We both agree yes. that it, some way or another, operating system is coming to your car. Yeah, I mean, it's the visual component that's comical because, of course, you fly off the road while you're staring at the screen on your dashboard. Or, but... um, at the very least, it's just... we. It was weird when we all got these GPSs that we suction cupped to our dashboards. Yes, it's we a, knew that it was going to come to an LCD screen and that we were going to have phone and, notifications and different things built into it. And an it's audio coming. interface. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number five for Forbes, the FAA does allow personal calls on the flights, but no airlines allow them. You know, we are really on top of these because every single one we bring up, I think, hey, we talked about that yes. on this episode or that episode. Absolutely uh, true. My flight home for Christmas was the first time that I was on the, a plane where they didn't tell me I had to turn off my phone or my laptop. It was very Kindle. weird. I, I turned it off anyway, and then I realized, wait, I don't have to turn. You're in such the habit. 
I it, the Kindle was great for me because every time yeah. I knew like the phone, you know, you don't have to turn this off. But the Kindle, I absolutely know. There's no way that this is interfering with anything. Just let me read. The Kindle is comical, yeah. And so yes, it's welcome to the year 2002. So the top ten lists of Ericsson Research Labs, you know, it's the division of Ericsson that does that that tells us things about the future. They have a beautiful report which we will link to on the blog. Yeah, it's really nice. I'll go through the top ten that they give. We can say what we think. Uh, some of them are so obvious in general that apps are changing society. This is our next Uber. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be Uberized. Right. Yes, we agree. Uh, number two for them, and probably because they're Ericsson, is that uh, biometric passwords. We need to figure out passwords. I was just ranting and raving to you before we started recording that I lost my... Someone had my password. They tried to log into my Gmail with it and uh, as notified, and I spent the next two and a half hours changing all my passwords. And it just seems really, really silly that we're still using the same password system on top what, of that, which... That we used in the 1970s. Right. And on top of which, uh, social security numbers... I mean, it's not a password, but it kind of is like your identifier or your password. Uh, there's a very, very short shelf life for people still thinking that social security is a, is a secure way to uh, identify yourself. It's, it's an extremely bizarre way, I agree. Right. I've never understood that. So we need better identification and password verification... And so, yeah, fingerprints are really, really interesting. Right. And the purpose of a password is to validate that you are the person physically at the machine. Exactly. So why not have biometric analysis? It makes a lot of sense. You know, so, that's the one thing that movies from 30 years ago got right about the future. Yes, scanning. And plus, it's a great plot point because the person has to actually be there. Right. Uh, number three for Ericsson, quantifying bio data, which we've covered. We both agree with that one. I, I, I love it. Like I said, I have my scale that... Number four, IoT, Internet of Things. This is like an all-star list. Falling right into it. Um, Number five, and this is this is one of my favorite topics: is that cheap, highly available smartphones invade all parts of the world, not just the rich first world countries. I think it's one of the things that we can feel most genuinely excited about: that information is flowing to these. Uh, emerging markets and from these markets and from these markets right it's it's really cool to think about you there's no way to not that you're looking at this and not getting excited about the way that uh in a lot of these the smartphone is the number one mobile device oh yeah number one i'm sorry internet device it's not secondary this is and often the only internet right this is their first introduction to the web is through a mobile uh, smartphone or whatever it's really awesome it's very mobile first it's a mobile first Uh, mobile only so the number six um, the people generally accept that the benefits of divulging what they previously considered to be private data gains them services on the internet that they're willing to trade their private data for this probably ties into mobile advertising being successful. Yeah. Uh, now, inter- I mean, Europe seems to be bucking the trend uh, in that there's more stringent privacy in Europe, but uh, at least Ericsson believes that in general, people's caution around personal data is going to fall as they get seduced by online and mobile services. Yeah, I understand this, and I am someone that does not guard... I don't guard my private information very... No, I don't get really super concerned about it, but I don't know. I think this there's this is gonna go back and forth. I think 
this was probably true, and then the Target thing happened, and people got concerned. And I think it's a big story. People are gonna recoil. Yeah, I, at Christmas in the town where my parents live in the northern part of New York, um, they the Target was empty for the entire Christmas season, and the people, many people there, were using cash at the register. Yeah. There's it was very scary, um, but I think that. We're going to figure out, people are going to, right now it's either all my per, personal data is just this unquantified sort of lump. Absolutely. And people are going to figure out, okay, this stuff I'm okay to share, this I'm not. Right. And there'll be some way to separate what you are sharing and are not, as there is in Europe, where you're allowed to set cookies for experiential type stuff. Like they have a four and a half inch screen on their phone but not for personal stuff, like what race or ethnicity or yeah, sex they I are. I think that's absolutely true. I think we kind of look at any personal data as being private, and that's not true. There's tons of personal information that I don't mind divulging so that I can use a service, but there's others that I just, it, it's a sticking point and I don't want private companies to have, so we'll just be better at discerning what is actual private information. Number seven for Ericsson, video on command. Which I also really agree with if you look at, you know, any by any measure, the amount of video traffic, that's a proportion of all traffic, the number of new video apps on Apple TV, the number of set-top devices, Amazon's new video TV device. Getting, getting better in lots of ways, not just in, not just in formatting, but just as a medium, people are understanding that uh, we're seeing more educational videos, we're seeing better yes and unfortunately you can watch it anywhere like here in san francisco on my unlimited data t-mobile lte service i can watch high definition video on my phone forever because my data service will not run out right no i watched the pittsburgh pirates clinch their winning season on the back of the 30x uh, muni bus heading home from work one day i just streaming it you know and by the way i can facetime over LTE in San Francisco and not worry about data limits. So yes, video, I agree with them. Uh, Number eight, the data of your personal life being visualized for you. This is a really good example. Uh, I have a friend who spends a lot of time on these check-in services that I've never gotten into the check-in, but... uh, What's a check-in? What do you mean? So you go to a place... And oh, I see. Like formerly Foursquare. Foursquare are these okay. different things, yep. yeah. Um, and I've never seen the benefit of it. And then he showed me this great visualization that kind of like uh, the different parts of San Francisco were lighting up as he went to him. And it was chronologically, it went through time. And you could see how things were changing. When he worked at this one place, he was going to all these restaurants around it. And then, oh, it flew out to Chicago for that trip that he made to Chicago and some things were lit up. Yeah, that was cool. really, really cool. And it actually hammered... I. I had been not on Foursquare or Check-In or any of these things, and I actually thought, ah, I wish that I had done that. That's cool. By the way, fit, the the Nike, the new version of the Nike uh, fitness bracelet does do that. Right. It shows you, like, based on your activity, where you did the activity over time, and I'll draw you a map. Right. If you can visualize data, it helps people understand it. Some people just don't, aren't going to. This is why infographics are so shareable and so popular and so accessible, because it visualized data makes it more people can read it can understand it and it's what they want number nine from our friends at Ericsson uh, sensors in daily places sensors everywhere and just your everyday stuff Google obviously agrees having nest Nest. now Google has a sensor in your house (laughs) 
somewhat frightening, but it wouldn't stop me from getting it, from using it. Um, trend 10 from Erickson, and this one I thought was really cool. Um, the ability to play, pause, and resume on a different device or somewhere else. Whatever activity, video or a process, yep. to halt that process and then pick it up on a different device, device somewhere to device. else. Yeah, I, I think that is true. And uh, We've all used services where we started doing something on our phone, on the bus ride home or wherever, and then got home and had to find the spot in the video or television show that we had left off on, or you, the flip side is you pull it up and it just, it knows where you were, and that just, that's amazing. You, it's such an easier experience. And um, so many of the reports follow the same thing. We're getting near time, but there's one thing from Adobe's report I wanted to point out, and they're Adobe, they're in this business, so they're gonna push this up, but I believe it, is that in, B, in the B2B world, as businesses communicate with businesses, that increasingly the idea of content being extremely important in those communications. Where before businesses turned to like the Wall Street Journal and, and those publications for information, more and more they're tuning into each other for information about the marketplace. Yeah, I think it's true. There's uh, this insane fragmentation as everyone becomes very niche that yeah, the Wall Street Journal can't be the authority on all of these things. And so you, you yep. turn to these you find out, we, we do it, we read a lot of white papers and uh, reports and briefs. And, and produce you, them. And produce them. And you find out very quickly, like, what, which ones you trust and which ones you don't. And if, you, if you're trustworthy, you're producing good content, it's, it's huge. Yeah, and, and the readership is kind of amazing. Like, when we, just from our experience here at this company, at MoveWeb, our generous sponsor. MoveWeb. Uh, we, we have a webinar on some extremely arcane subject, like, you know, like how responsive web design factors into new types of apps. Uh, there are pretty established and sophisticated ways to reach people uh, who are interested in it, on that very narrow thing, mm -hmm. and then get them to sign up and watch you talk about it live and or view it on a video, and as we mentioned, now on any mobile device. Right. It's allows it's it's like magazines in the 90s you are able to find this niche and deliver the content that is very applicable yes um, it's our zine it's our zine these these, uh, uh, <laughs> these webinars are our zine uh okay so we're at 45 we're at 50 minutes we're perhaps um, the longest podcast it's a so long far. Uh, are we at 50 minutes yeah it's somewhere around there uh, a long podcast but so much to cover in 2014 right we could have ranted and raved about dozens of more 2014 trends. Uh, check out the recap of this at blog.moveweb.com where you can find our contact info and links to the various content as well as a link to our own B2B content. If you are a B in the universe who wants to see B2B content from our generous right. sponsor, MoveWeb. Lots of it there. Lots of it there. We've both, that both of us have worked on many things we've worked on together. Uh, so for... For this week, uh, I'm Ike DiLorenzo. I'm Justin McGann. And this has been The Lamp.